there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I'd like to talk to you about the dark side, our dark side. The object of self-knowledge by self-observation is to bring the unknown side of ourselves into the light of consciousness. That's the object of self-knowledge. What we don't know and accept about ourselves complicates our life, causing many unpleasant situations, circumstances, dramas, and scenes. You have any scenes in your life? Any dramas in your life? Any big upsets in your life? Any big feelings? Big situations? This comes from not being able to see what lies in the dark side of ourselves. What we think it comes from is other people. The reason that we think that the cause of these big upsets, dramas, scenes, situations, circumstances, the reason we think that the cause of them is in other people is because we take the unknown side of us, all of the stuff that's in the dark side of us, we take that and we put it into other people. It's like gathering up all of the things in the dark, putting them in a black bag, and then we go and we put them inside another person. We see them as liars. We see them as phonies. We see them as untrustworthy. We see them as unfaithful. We see them as violent, negative. We see them as pompous, proud, arrogant. We see them as all of the things that we think they are because that's what we see. The reason this happens is because we're living in a very small part of ourselves that doesn't have a very bright light in it. What that means is there's a huge part of ourselves that we don't know that's in darkness. That huge part of us, we can't go there because we can't accept the things that are there because we don't know what they are and we won't accept what they are, we can't go there. So it's dark. We can't see there. So what that leaves is just the little place in us where there is a little bit of light. That's where we live. So we huddle around a candle in the basement of ourselves and we don't go very far. And anything that is disturbing to us comes from other people because we can't see where it really lies when we live like this, it relates us badly to other people. We simply are badly related to other people. What does it mean to be badly related to other people? It means we don't have real relationships. What we call real relationships are what we say are honest relationships. An honest relationship is, you're a liar, I hate liars, I don't want anything to do with you. We call honest relationships when we say what's wrong with other people. That's an honest relationship. A dishonest relationship is if we look at another person and we know they're liars, we know they're unworthy, we know they're unfaithful, but we pretend that they're our friends. We call those dishonest relationships. 
the, that's what we do. This makes us badly related to other people. We are also badly related to life because we carry this pretense into life. We smile at life and we secretly hate it. We smile at life and we secretly try to undermine it. We smile at life while we have our hand in the till and we're trying to steal from it without paying for what we're taking from it. So this makes us badly related to life. Are you with me? Good. It looks like you're with me because you look very sober. And sober is a good look to have on your face now. Because if you've got one of those happy faces on right now, you're not seeing how you are relating to life. It also makes us badly related to ourselves. How could it make us badly related to ourselves? Well, if we've got all this stuff lying in the dark side of ourselves that we can't see, then we are not properly related to ourselves because we're only relating to ourselves in this one little area, this little spot where there's some light. So the rest of us goes unloved, unaccepted, unknown. What would your family be like if you are the only one who deserves love, acceptance, food, shelter, clothing, happiness, and everyone else deserves nothing? Wouldn't be a very happy family, would it? The idea of this work is to enlarge our consciousness through direct self-observation. The purpose of direct self-observation without being critical about what we're observing is to narrow the pictures that we have of ourselves. What does it mean to narrow the pictures that we have of ourselves? It means not to have so many. It means to hem them in, to rein them in like we would a wild beast. And then the purpose is to destroy them, to destroy the pictures that we have of ourselves. That's what the work is aiming at. The work is aiming at destroying the pictures that you have of yourself. Wait, wait a second, what pictures? What about the good ones? No, the work doesn't discern between good pictures and bad pictures. It doesn't care because what is the work interested in? The work is interested in the truth. It doesn't care about a picture of the truth. It only wants the truth. It's not trying to destroy you. It's after the pictures of you that keep you from knowing the truth about yourself, that keep you from du directly experiencing your own self, who you actually are. That's what the work is interested in. It's not interested in your pictures. It's interested in destroying your pictures. We're interested in keeping our pictures, defending our pictures, sorting our pictures. When I say we, I mean this part of us that we think we are. And what is it we think we are? Well, we think we are what's here in this light that we can see. But is that what we are? Well, yes, of course it is. Part of what we are, a very tiny part of what we are. Compared to this huge area of darkness, our dark side, of unaccepted, unknown things about us. And instead of knowing what is there, we replace what is there with pictures that we would like to be there, pictures of ourselves that we would like the dark side to have hidden there. Those are the wonderful things we, we're looking forward to discovering about ourselves. <laughs> we're really quite insane. So the work aims at enlarging our consciousness through direct self-observation so that the narrow pictures of ourselves are destroyed, enabling us to live in a larger edition of ourselves. It's like, hey, home renovation. We're going to... What do they call that when you do home renovation? Remodel. Remodel, that's it, thank you. Remodeling, yes, they call that remodeling. And we all know how much remodeling is a pain. Because you've got people living in the house 
while you're working. So, so for the people who are doing the job, they don't like to remodel homes because the people are living there, they're underfoot, they've, you know, they've got to be careful of this, they can't make a mess there. They've got so many extra things they have to do. Plus the electricity has to be on, the water has to be on, all the things have to be on. But if you're just building a house from the ground up, that's easy compared to remodeling. But we're not just building a house from the ground up because we've got this dark side full of unknown, unaccepted things, parts of ourselves that we've got to work with. And we've still got to function in life while we're doing that. Remodeling, very unpleasant thing. Unless, of course, you have the ability to hold the aim, the finished product in sight. What is the finished product? Better. For me, that's as good as it gets. What is it gonna look like? I'm not much on visualizing what it's gonna look like, but I know it's gonna be better. That's what I'm aiming at. So we're trying to learn to find a way to live in a larger edition of ourselves. When we face off with another, we can be sure that this very thing that we're facing off with is the very thing that we have to work on. I don't care what it is. If you are facing off with a mad dog, a rabid dog, and the best you can do is think to pull your car keys out and shake them at the dog, then you're facing off with a rabid dog. If what you're facing off with is a beauty queen who has all the moves and who is graceful and who makes you look like a clumsy oaf, then that's what you're facing off with. If you're facing off with an 800-pound gorilla that has a Samsonite case full of TNT and a fuse and a lighter, then that's what you're facing off with. But whatever it is that you are facing off with, whatever it is that is across from you, whatever is across from you that you are facing right now, Whatever that is, that's what you have to work on. That's what you have to work on that is in your dark side. That is what you are not seeing and accepting about yourself. This can be very difficult. What we criticize so much in others is something lying in the dark side of us. We're seeing the dark side of ourselves reflected into others so that it's always their fault and it's never ours. He's a liar. She's a slut. He's a thief. She's arrogant and pompous. She thinks she's a guru. He thinks he's the leader of the world. She thinks she's this. They think they're that. These are the things that we are facing off with. These are the things that we have placed in the other people. These are the things that we have in the dark side of ourselves that we must let the light of consciousness shine in on so that we can see them first and then learn how to accept them. What keeps us in the small parts of ourselves is the action of buffers, pictures, fixed opinions, and negative attitudes. The action of buffers. What does a buffer do? A buffer acts as a block between what is there and what you would like to be there, what is there in you. So here's this thing, this unpleasant, unacceptable thing about you that's in the dark side of you. You go to look for it, but a buffer blocks your view. It hides it from you so that you can't see it. That's the action of a buffer. What about the other things? Pictures. You've got a picture of yourself. So you go looking for this unacceptable thing in the dark side of yourself, but you can't see it because there's a picture that's been pasted over its face. So imagine one of those, have you ever seen, you know, in Hollywood they have these big cutout, cardboard cutouts of a person 
And it actually can look like the person if you take a quick glance. I mean, they, they're life-size and they're standing up there and they're an action figure or whatever. And you can actually mistake it for a person. Well, when you want to, it's a lot easier to mistake it for a person. And we want to because it's unpleasant or we wouldn't have put it in the dark side. It wouldn't be there if we liked it. So we have that. We have buffers and then we have pictures. Then we have fixed opinions. A fixed opinion is, I'm not that way. I'm a broad-minded, liberal, generous, wonderful person. That isn't going to coincide with what's in the dark side that's unaccepted and unknown. It's going to stay unaccepted and unknown there. And finally, negative attitude. What is a negative attitude? A negative attitude is an attitude that anything that comes into it is turned negative. So you have a negative attitude, let's say, toward a certain group of people. Men, women, children, Hispanics, Caucasians, Africans, whatever. You have a negative attitude toward them. Then anything that comes from them into that state of negative attitude is going to be contaminated by the negative attitude. Okay? These are the things that are working, keeping us in the small parts of ourselves. These are all the things that drive us back to the little area of light, to the candle in the basement that we huddle around, because that's where we feel safest. When the light of self-observation reaches the dark side of us, because we're not conscious of it, our consciousness of ourselves begins to increase a little bit. When that happens, we start to feel a little differently about ourselves. How does that manifest? I can't believe I'm such a piece of garbage. I just want to die. What's the purpose of it all? That's the first thing that happens. Because those unacceptable, unpleasant things that we've hidden away in the dark side of us, as soon as we start to see them, we go, Oh, no, no, not that. Why that? And it's horrible. And so we start to feel differently about ourselves. Well, it's time to snuff it. <laughs> Might as well get this over with. This is all pointless. I'm not making any progress. I've been working at this for how many years now? I've been listening to you jammer at me for how many years now? Nothing's happening. I'm still a piece of garbage. What's the point? You're just talking. You're just moving air around. You're just making vibrations in the air. It's tickling my ears. So what? It doesn't mean anything. You're not doing anything for me. I'm not growing. I'm not making progress. Well, okay. So we start to feel differently about ourselves. We're no longer quite as satisfied with ourselves. Now, from a life point of view, that's not a good thing. From a work point of view, it's party time. So the work's having a party, but where are we? We're huddled around the little candle in the basement. And we hear them up there partying. And the party sounds to us like, Fee-fi-fo-fum. Down there in the basement, huddled around the little candle, every little pin drop sounds like monster footsteps. Every little crunch, every little scrape sounds like them ripping off an arm or a leg and eating it while you scream in the corner, hiding by the light. Ah, it's tearing me apart. It's horrible. I know. I'm flamboyant and dramatic. But I want to impress you with our situation. So we begin to feel differently about ourselves. The center of gravity of our eye begins to shift away from imaginary eye. The imaginary eye that we're always serving. The imaginary eye that we're always bowing down to, the imaginary eye that we're always feeding, the imaginary eye that we're always laying laurels, laurel leaves at its feet, the imaginary eye that we sacrifice to. What do we sacrifice? Truth, justice, and the American, <laughs> and the American way.
<laughs> we sacrifice everything real at the altar of imaginary I. Our dark side hides a very sensitive bundle of personal reactions that are always being upset, always being hurt, and are absolutely incapable of and unable to meet with any form of criticism from another. Think of it. This is what's hiding in the dark side. This inability to accept any form of criticism. Think about that. Think about how difficult it is for you to accept any form of criticism. That sensitive bundle of personal reactions is being hidden in the dark side. The light of uncritical self-observation helps to enlarge self-knowledge. Well, when self-knowledge is enlarged, then automatically the dark side begins to shrink, giving us a larger world, more room in which we can move. We're no longer huddling around the little candle in the basement. We've turned on a floodlight, and we can spread out and move away from the candle because we can see now, and we can move, and we can accept these things. This is a part of it. This is a part of me. This is not all of me. This is a part of me. We begin to realize our own helplessness. And as soon as we begin to realize our own helplessness, it enables us to endure the helplessness of others. Right now, we don't see our own helplessness. And because we don't see our own helplessness, we see that other people need to be working harder. We see that other people are not doing enough. We see that other people are to blame. We see that other people could do better. But when we start to see our own helplessness, then what happens is a certain shift occurs in us and we have a sense of compassion for the helplessness of others. We look at them and say, their machines huddled around the candle too. They're doing the best they can. What sensitive bundle of personal reactions is hidden in them that makes them all squicky, that makes them a skin bag full of glitchy software. And you don't have to know what it is. All you have to do is know that that's how it is for you, and that's how it is for all of the people in our state of consciousness, where we live, under 48 orders of laws. We'll never endure the unpleasant manifestations of others unless we see and accept our own unpleasant manifestations. But we never see and accept our own unpleasant manifestations because their unpleasant manifestations are so glaring. Why are their unpleasant manifestations so glaring? Because we put them there. No. They really do have those unpleasant manifestations. No, you really did take all of the things in your dark side and place them inside that person. And then you faced off with them. Because I promise you, I, I sat in a room the other day and one person was going absolutely, they were pegged in the red zone about someone else's unpleasant manifestations. And I was laughing. I said, so what? That person's unpleasant manifestations weren't unpleasant to me. Why was that? Well, because I've accepted those things about myself. Yep, that's me. Accept your fault-finding side. Well, you're always going to be negative due to this bundle of personal reactions with which you meet life. And see, we meet life from the dark side. We don't meet life from the light side. We meet life from the dark side. We just have this bundle of personal reactions that just fire off because the dark side is being touched constantly. The light side is rarely ever touched because it's so small. It's like a large planet, and you take a flashlight and you hold the flashlight two feet away from it. Well, you're going to have a spot of light the diameter of a grapefruit. That's what you're going to see. Everything else you're not going to see. What you don't see is what the mass of the body, the planet, is. 
So you can't really say you know what it is. So what are you going to do? Well, imagine. Make pictures. Imagine what it is. Make imaginary pictures of it. And this is what we do with ourselves. We have to meet the dark side of ourselves by conscious recognition that everything that we criticize in others is expressing itself in us. If you want to work, if you want to grow, if you want to develop, this is the step you must have the courage to take. It's not an easy step. If it was an easy step, people would have been past that by now. They'd be on to something else. But we keep coming back to this because every time we get to this step, we go, oh, it's too high, I can't reach it. Oh, no, it has razor's blades on it. Oh, no, it's broken glass. Oh, no, it's horrible. Oh, the step's on fire. We have all kinds of reasons not to go forward. The work says, meet the dark side of yourself by conscious recognition that everything that you criticize in others is expressing itself in you. And imaginary eye says, no, it's not. That's because it's not yet included in our consciousness of ourselves. That's all. All that means is, look, it's just not yet included in our consciousness of ourselves. What does that mean? It means we don't see it about ourselves yet. It means it's still on the dark side of us. But what to do? Get away from all people. <laughs> Never talk again. Just go live in a cave. No, it's not the answer. Not if you want to develop. The answer, if you want to develop to shed the light of uncritical self-observation into that dark side so that you can, be, you can begin to become slowly aware of it, conscious of it, to expand, enlarge your consciousness. That is the purpose. That's why we're here. We're not here to fix each other. We're not here to help each other. We're not here to point out to one another what they need to see in their dark side. We're here to use them to see what we have in our dark side. Not run away from them, but rather embrace them. Because until we can embrace them, we cannot embrace what we are not accepting in our dark side. Love them, because it's you. It's coming from you. When we've brought into consciousness the things that are lying in our own dark side, and we've accepted them, I promise you that we'll be able to bear criticism more easily. Somebody says to me now, you know, you can't do. And I say, you got that right. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you see the smile on my face. You got to know that's real. You got to know that I am very aware of the fact that I can't do. I can't fix you. I would love to. And you would love for me to. But I can't do it. As much as I love you, as much as I care about you, as many years as we've spent together, as many things as we've been through, I cannot do it for you any more than you can do it for your children. You may do their homework for them, and they may get an A in the course, but when you're not around to do their homework for them, they're going to fall flat on their face. And it's going to be worse because they will have been pretending that they could walk when they couldn't walk. And so somebody criticizes me and says, well, it's all your fault. You haven't fixed us. You're right. If that's what you're here for, me to fix you, it's all my fault. You are absolutely right because I cannot do it. So we learn how to bear criticism a little more easily. We end up a little more balanced, a little more capable of enduring the next step in inner development. People, if you think inner development is easy, why do you think we haven't been developing? <laughs> because it's not easy. You're accused of being a liar, you won't furiously defend yourself, practicing all the subtle and not so subtle arts of self-justifying.
There are a lot of different ways to approach self-justification. It's like martial arts. It's self-defense. There's Aikido, where you use their power against them. <laughs> and you laugh at mighty foes. Or there's karate, where you just crush their skulls. But it's still the subtle or unsubtle art of self-justifying, self-defense. And what that means is you get to stay the same. No self-development, no self-change. And remember, the object of self-knowledge by self-observation is to bring the unknown side of ourselves into the light of consciousness so that we can change, so that we can have a different feeling of I, so that we can rid ourselves of imaginary I and move closer to real I. That's the purpose. How do we deal with this? You're accused of being a liar, but you practice the subtle art of self-justifying, or the not-so-subtle art of self-justifying, when the truth is, of course you're a liar. <laughs> of course you're a liar. Are you here on this planet? Then you're a liar. We all lie. Now, the problem is, we don't think so. You have to ask yourself, can you accept it if you refuse to know it, if you refuse to acknowledge it? Can you accept that you're a liar if you refuse to accept it and refuse to acknowledge it? No way. So you've stopped yourself dead in your tracks. You may as well have been shot with an elephant gun. Because you're done. You're dead. It's over. You are now lying in the dark side of yourself with all the other things. We're always defending ourselves against ourselves so that we can keep imaginary I going. Imaginary I is the imagination of what we are. And we're always defending ourselves against ourselves so that we can stay imaginary. We must come to realize our own nothingness before we can take further steps. What does it mean to be something? Nobody ever asked me this. I've been talking to you about becoming nothing, realizing your own nothingness, but nobody's ever said to me, well, what does it mean to be something? Why is it we don't think those thoughts? We just say, well, that's right. I, I have to accept my own nothingness. <clears throat> Thank you. That's right. Well, what are you doing? I'm accepting my own nothingness. How's that? Well, it fits very well. Thank you. I like this. Yes. I'm accepting my own nothingness, and as I stand here with my own nothingness on now, I look in this full-length mirror, and I say, I look quite handsome in my own nothingness, don't you think? That's what we do. Can you see that's what we do? That's what we've been doing with this work. If you feel you're fair and just, broad-minded and liberal, whatever, the recognition that sometimes you're unfair and you're unjust, or you're not broad-minded and you're not liberal, will neutralize the picture of yourself of being fair and just, broad-minded and liberal. You become nothing in this respect, stopping any aims that you might have about being something. What is it, the something? It's fair and just. I'm a fair, just person. Tell me the truth, and I will fairly, justly meet out your reward and punishment. Because it won't be just reward, because there's no way that you're perfect. So there will be some punishment, but it will be loving punishment. It'll be fair and just, because I am fair and just. If you can recognize that sometimes you're not fair and you're not just, you're going to help dissolve that picture, destroy that picture. If you can start to destroy that picture, then you'll stop having so many aims about being fair and just. When you stop having so many aims about being fair and just, your life can become about something else. Unfortunately, all these things are things that you need to apply to your own life. It won't do any good to just hear these words unless you are willing to practice them inside of yourself. Through self-observation, we learn not to trust the idea we have of ourselves. This really isn't a moral issue. Are you fair and just? 
are you a liar? It's not a moral issue. Take it off that table and put it on a different table. Put it on a work table. That's a life aim table. Put it on the work aim table. This is an issue of broadening your consciousness. This has nothing to do with whether or not you are a moral, good person. This has only to do with broadening your consciousness. Can you see that if you take it off of whether you're moral and just and right and good, you take it out of there, and look, it doesn't matter what I am. All that matters is that I see what I am. You stop or you diminish or you lessen identification with what? Well, with that imaginary eye that holds everything in opposites, right and wrong, good and bad, black and white, light and darkness, evil and goodness. This is what we're about. Next week, I'm going to talk about what we may find in the dark side. We've talked a little bit about that and what to do with it, but basically how to approach it. But next week, I'd like to talk about some specific things in the dark side that we can look for. The key to this work is the practical application of the ideas taught. At SolidRockVista.com, I have written a number of articles about how to apply the work to everyday situations in our life. I hope you'll find it useful.